When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Ruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm feeling wonderful. I'm also a little bit overwhelmed by the prospect of this massive news episode we're about to get into. That's right. A lot of opportunities for me to put my foot in my mouth, and I hope I do several times, because it's always fun. MCP's awesome. I'm I'm fully back into my weapon x force as i'm calling them i'm love it starting to work out some of the kinks i cannot guarantee that i'm going to be a massively winning player competitively with the list but i'm going to pilot them as well as i can and uh hopefully hopefully give give you guys some good games we've been saying it for some time i think off and on on the show but psylocke and logan the wolverine both good in both of those teams interchange exactly and so like a lot of things have changed they're kind of the reasons to play the teams at this point, right? 100%. I think Cable is a little bit better than people say he is. Same. He's definitely lacking competitively. It's hard to play him in a lot of spots, but if you curate where you're putting him and really pick your places, and then if not a Cable game, just go Weapon X. I know. Yeah, and you've got two different leaders, too, for Weapon X. So you can exactly. Kind of flex. Yeah, so you can, you can play around with that stuff pretty well. So... A lot of flexibility. I'm I'm very excited to see, you know, some Bishop cards, some Kate Pride cards. I know they're not going to be X-Force or Weapon X, but... They might be. They might eh, be. You never We've know. seen AMG but, do crazier things. But they will be more mutants, and the mutants tend to work well in other mutant teams, even if they're not, even if they're not f- officially part of that uh, particular leadership. So, I don't know. I have, a, I have a feeling it'll be good stuff. That's all. Nightcrawler might give you an objective runner, for sure. You know? So. I mean... Uh, Ma- Magic's not the best objective runner. That's true. Nightcrawler is a 
Mm, I'm ready. I say as I'm wearing a Nightcrawler shirt. That's true. So ready. I, I do really like that that Nightcrawler button up you got. It's pretty cool. I'm very pleased. It's The colors are right. And also the fact it doesn't say X-Men anywhere in here makes me very exactly. happy. Yeah, we're already, we're already winning. Well, Chris, today we're returning to our news roundup. We kind of did do one of these recently. I was like looking back, I was like, man, we haven't done one of these since last year. But then sort I sort re- of did. But then I really thought about it. I was like, okay, that Adepticon episode was massive. I remember yeah. the recording was huge, the edit was huge. And that was kind of like a news roundup like this, but also just like a that was also kind of like a mini extravaganza discussion. It kind of pushed together, you know? It was Adepticon. it was a fun, it was a fun hangout style episode, which is always Nice and shameless plug here. If you like that kind of episode, yeah, that's right. Consider consider uh, subscribing to the Patreon tier level where uh, you get to listen to the After Darks. That's right. As Guardian and up, you get those After Dark episodes in your feed, in your second secret feed of Furious Finest. But yeah, I, I mentioned that because today we are going to have a couple things that we did talk about in that very episode, namely Squirrel Girl and Gwynpool. And just keep in mind. Those are our initial thoughts. These are our more refined thoughts. But once again, still initial thoughts. We have not played these models on the table yet. Um, they're not here. But I'm just really excited to talk about all this stuff today, Chris. But before we do, let's tend to some business. Fury's Finest is supported by Mr. Laser. Go to mr-laser.square.site for all of your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs outside of your local game store, of course. That's right. He's got everything MCP and Shatterpoint right now that has been announced or coming around the corner, so definitely check that out. Freeze Finest also supported by iWorkGame. iWorkGame makes some of the best marked mats in the MCP sphere, and we highly recommend them. Go to iWorkGame.net. And of course, this show cannot happen without our patrons. Our patrons support Furious Finest at patreon.com slash Finest. If you enjoy the show, like to help us keep the lights on. If this brings value to your life in any way and you want to join our community and be a part of the Discord, check out the Patreon. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we have a very, very special shout out to Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Of course, Chris, we cannot do the show without our Avenger producers, Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Jason, Puyan, Charles, and just recently, Sean. Thank you, Avengers. Thank you so much. What up, Sean? All right, Chris, we're starting off our news roundup like we always do with the affiliation updates. Of course, we are going to talk about where Immortal Hulk and Modoc Scientist Supreme landed. So Immortal Hulk landed on the Defenders and the Midnight Suns, Chris. This is very exciting, very cool. And I'm also happy to not see him as an Avenger, which extremely happy to not see him as an Avenger, just to be honest. Just like gameplay wise, we had you and I really had no fears of him being an Avenger, like thematically. No, because we read the because we read the run. Right. Which you should too. Immortal Hulk is insanely good. Yeah. And I saw a lot of people online semi up in arms about him being midnight suns and i'm like yeah i'm like guys this is a game first you know like and this isn't star wars where it's like star wars is a certain way lfl and the canon of star wars is very exact right like anything that's not exact is legends which is offshoots marvel is very like more open especially with it's like multi multiversal multi-comics ultimate universe blah 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 right (laughs) all it takes is a defender's book getting really really hot and suddenly Immortal Hulk can be a member of the Defenders because they need to get the character in a oh, team yeah. book. You know what I mean? So that's the thing with comics. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that these these are just these characters are just tools for the for the storytellers, right? Oh, absolutely. And it, it just comes down to which which tool you want for the job, you know. 
I say I go on this long, this this weird tirade for a, a mini show to mm-hmm. say we can come up with a reason for him to be anywhere. But I'm very yeah. happy gameplay wise. Very good that he's only in the spooky contingent. Well, at the end of the day, AMG is going to do what they're going to do, and we're going to respect it and and follow it. And also, you know, this game is a game inside the Marvel canon, and there are things and liberties they've already had to do to make the game work as it is. Thus, as such, the Cabal faction. The Cabal faction is more of a contingent of multi-bad guy factions in Marvel canon, but they've just made it a nebulous, catch-all bad guy faction. And it's like, we don't have AIM in the game. We have AIM leadership now, as of today, right? But it's like, there's little things like that where it's like, Okay, I see what they're doing. I like the way that they're going. And Midnight Suns is seeming to be a catch-all of more than just like the basic members that have been Midnight Suns. I think this is where we're going now is like, okay, who would actually fit this in the canon of the game we've created, you know? And I think this Immortal Hulk fits in this Midnight Suns group quite well. 100%. And not to mention the one below all, I mean, and the whole Gamma thing. That's right. Gamma in the world of Marvel is the newest kind of craze right now. I mean, I'm I'm just dumping hours into the Midnight Suns video game right now, and it's a huge nice. deal there. We've had Gamma Flight, Immortal, and this all is kind of culmination with Immortal Hulk and his popularity. Yeah, he's possessed by the Gamma, really. I mean, to Ish, cut to the chaff, I mean, you know, I mean, he's not. He's not the Hulk that's in the Avengers list on this roster I'm looking at right here. Right? 100%. We are dealing with different multi-personality, a, a DID situation with Bruce and the Hulk. Whether the DID came first or it came as a result of the Hulk. Yep. You know, we don't know that yet, but. It's cool. It's cool. And I, I reckon we're going to get a couple more, couple more versions of the Hulk. Yeah, as we should. Over the coming years. And we'll see where they end up. But I don't know. iHulk is... He's very good. He's very scary. And I think it makes sense that he's in with the scary folks. Yeah, absolutely. And also just like purely developer design centric focused. I find it very cool that these teams both got a seven threat character mm-hmm. and that he fits their team leaderships quite well and the sense of what he can do on those said teams with the defenders. Mystic Empowerment from Strange is nuts on him. And then, of course, the Midnight Suns being able to bump in the night under Blaze leadership is also nuts for him. So I love that that works this way. But we also know how this game works, the way that AMG has designed it. You can play iHulk wherever you want. Get any leadership benefit you want. He's just benefiting from these team's cards, quite honestly, and helping you get that affiliation number. That's all it is. And it's cool. And I'm so happy he has a place. A lot of people are thinking he was going to be unaffiliated. I get it. I get the argument. But when a model's unaffiliated, it definitely sees less play. And I don't want to see that in the game um, as much as possible until it just absolutely makes the most perfect sense. Man, that really, really sparks a topic of conversation in my brain that, mm. that we just do not have time to go into yeah. on this episode. And that is, and this will just be a teaser for, you know, an after dark. Sorry, I've said it twice now. Yeah, on, yeah. On my apologies, everybody. But <laughs> what characters do? There's going to be characters that are just better. There's going to be a best character in the game. Always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Who do you want it to be? Mm. I would rather it be a Hulk than yes. a Malekith. Yes. Personally, you know. Yeah, and I'm not sure Immortal Hulk is better than Malekith. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not either. I'm just saying. No. I mean, classic Hulk is though, mm-hmm. and pound for pound for sure, pound for pound, and in, in, in a competitive vacuum or similar yes. at least. Yeah, yes. they're very similar. Yeah. 
not not saying one should beat the other every time. Yeah, we can talk about that on After Dark, absolutely. But, and and we will. But yeah, that's just a that's a very fun and interesting conversation. I feel like you can you can bring a lot of names and really tie in pop comics into this game. Mm. And I, that's a thing I love doing. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about where Modok ended up. Yeah. So I mentioned the Cabal faction. He did not actually land there. So we're already seeing some interesting things happen in the game where it's like wave one, Modok, the five threat. He's a bigger model. He's a bigger character. He's a higher threat. He's a member of Cabal. But this version of Modok we've gotten today, Scientist Supreme and his more scientist-y phase is only affiliated with the criminals and Hydra. And I find that very cool. And I also like the the Hydra pivot here, Chris. Once again, makes a lot of sense, but it is kind of like the, the Eye Hulk in Midnight Suns where it's like a pivot, but it's a pivot in the sense of AMG has created these little umbrellas that extend fairly far, you know, and they have some unique teams in the game like Wakanda, which is intentionally small, but then they have these wider nebulous things where you're like, oh, that person up on Hydra, that actually makes sense. But like, that wouldn't be your first thought. No, it wouldn't be. But I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. And then AIM being a sub-faction of criminals now. I really do like that. Yeah, that's unique. Uh, I don't think... Okay, and this goes back to the way comics work. We read comics. The hero is the point of view of the comic. So naturally, we're going to have a lot more intricate teams and team structures when we get all of that POV. If we had POVs, equal amounts of POVs from these villains more so than when they were just the villain in a particular story or instance, we would have full aim, you know, a full aim affiliation and we would have fodder and characters for that. But as it is right now, we just don't. There's there's not yeah. that many, you know, named aim people. Well, well not just aim people, but you got to think villains. You've got your, you've got your big bads and then the lieutenants with characters, you know, your crossbones and things like that. Yeah. Past that. You, you don't have just this incredible wealth of characters and background characters that are spending time with the with the Thors and the Captain Marvels and just the uber powerful people that you're watching in this comic book. So it, well, it, yeah. it, it makes sense that we can't have that. Yeah. So what they've done is just made this kind of opposing Avengers. You've got to have that catch all mm. for people like Moobs that like to play bad guys. You don't want to punish people for playing an affiliation just because that affiliation never had its own comic book. Right. Right. Like aim being three models would be unplayable at this moment in the game. Essentially. Exactly. You'd have to be taking Bucky every time. You have to do a Bucky lot of things. Taskmaster. Yeah. Bucky or Taskmaster. Absolutely. I, I just mean, yeah. Anybody unaffiliated Rogue that Rogue Agent. Yes. Thank you. What I like about this, Chris, and especially the now that we know aim is a sub faction of criminals, the criminal list just gets stronger. The criminal list building options, the criminal directions you can go with your own play style gets more unique and not even saying leadership wise i'm just saying we now have this modok under kingpin we now have this modok under daredevil right we have other people under this modok so it's like the criminal options get more interesting and i think the game just gets better by the day because every time characters get on affiliation lists not only does the meta change but the kitchen tables change as well because you have options of math that didn't exist before you have options of play styles that didn't exist before and i absolutely love it and once again to reiterate exactly what I just said, this Modoc can also be played anywhere because we love our game. Our game is so unique where we get to play any model in any place and you're rewarded for putting hobby time and, and play time into every, any character you want to play. I mean, it's like, Chris, if you wanted to play Beta Ray Bill and every team in the game right now, you could and maybe should. 
<laughs> but I'm saying like, right. it's like if you like Bill, you put a lot of time into him. I do, as it happens. You don't necessarily have to just play him in Guardians and Asgard where he's affiliated. The nature of our game is you could play him anywhere you want. And I love that like it's like very defined where characters end up, but it's also like also just play characters where you want, which is very neat. And I think we're gonna talk a little bit more Modoc here in a minute and talk about his viability under this criminal and hydra umbrella. But Chris, we gotta move on to our first character of the day. We have been holding off and talking about this character for so long, it feels like, because we didn't have all his cards, and then a bunch of news happened with Depthcon, so he just got pushed back but we are going to talk about the immortal hulk right now he is a seven threat character his name is the immortal hulk his alter ego is bruce banner so you can't play him and classic hulk on the table at the same time if that was unclear what a nightmare that would be that would be a nightmare that would we be... should do that we should we should break that rule and <laughs> just see how big of a nightmare it is i will let yeah. you i will let you play them both against me just to see how ridiculous it can be that would be pretty ridiculous i mean you also could play him, Hulkbuster and She-Hulk all together. Oh, I know, man. And 19 Threat. And that would be a sight to see. That would be something. But let's get through his stats. So he is a large base model with a short move, same as our classic Hulk. And he is a size four, same as our classic Hulk. His stats are a little bit more, a little bit different than classic Hulk, though, slightly. He has a defenses of four physical, three energy, and five mystic, because he is mystically empowered from all the gamma baby that gamma and just he's the one below below. all dude yeah that's right and he has a seven threat character with a stamina of 15 putting him five less stamina than classic hulk i mean his stamina is really 25 but we'll get into it yeah and let's just get into it this is not a strategy section where we're gonna heavily digest and dissect every section we're just gonna make this a resource and um, our quick take. So I'll read his first attack, Chris. It's very basic, but awesome, but awesome. It's called smash. It's a physical (laughs) attack at range two. So we're still in that same classic Hulk vein where he has his strike at range two. Yeah. That's physical strength of seven. Same as classic Hulk cost zero power. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. Of course, this smashes his strike and bud Chris, this is where it gets absolutely wild and insane on a wild trigger. On seven dice, which is mathematically very easy to do, he will get throw. After the attack is resolved, so it does have to be resolved all the way, if the target character is size four or less, the Immortal Hulk may throw the target character short. That's pretty good. That's a lot of damage. Turns out. And it is a throw. It is not a push. So you, it's just more damage dealing opportunity. Be careful if you've got two people close to him. Seriously, like you have to keep this stuff in mind these days. It's dangerous out there. He could do like four damage to the character he's attacking, right? And then he could throw them in with someone to daze them because they collide. And there's and that that auto ping's going to knock them over. Laura, you're done. Laura, you're done. And then now the enemy is making a save against the other target, mm-hmm. right? And this gets crazier with the bigger characters, right? Like he can really bully someone like Malekith or another Hulk where it's like, I just... Throw him into Laura, right? Like throw a size exactly. character, make a five save. She's not going to make that, right? If she's a little bit hurt. So I've learned with this Hulk, Chris, that his biggest strength is that every time he's striking, he can just throw you, which is control or damage. Both sometimes if you're not careful. Yeah. All right, Jesse, it's time to move on to the spender, the big bad. That's right. It's another physical attack. It is gamma burst range three. Strength of 10, a little low there, don't you think? Power cost of five. Before damage is dealt, 
this character may throw the target short. Now Perfect. there's no, yeah, Before there's no, the, yeah, there's no caveat here. There's no trigger you have to hit. It just happens. There's no, uh, there's no size restriction either. So that's pretty good. You're paying a pretty hefty price for it at five power though. Uh, additionally, the target does not gain power for the damage dealt by this attack. Boy, Massive. this would be a really good attack going into another Immortal Hulk, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or just any sort of big threat character entirely because... Well, I'm just thinking for the immortality of course, portion just, of this here. And just the counter is the counter. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like that a lot. But no, I, I think this is... You're going to reserve this for larger threat characters because... Five power is a lot. Five power is a lot, but the guaranteed throw on them is nice. And then the fact that you're going to deal damage to them and they're getting no power is extra nice. And it's frankly makes it one of the better spenders in the game because, you know, we talk about this a lot, but it's like spenders are not necessarily ideal because you are spending so much to do them. And that if they don't happen, if the, if the damage doesn't really happen the way you want, it, it really kind of puts you on the back foot, especially because you maybe you gave your opponent a little bit of power. It's giving your opponent no power. And it's getting a guaranteed throw. And then you might even daze them. A lot of things that do happen as in the throw and the no, no power, but then there's something that could happen, which is a spike in damage. Mm. I like it. Like it, it costs a lot, but it should be, it should cost a lot. It should. And I think it's a really good thing that it costs that much. It's, it's so powerful. No size restriction too. Oh yeah. I, mm. it is so powerful that being able to get this off like round two Mm -hmm. without a lot of things going right, you know, is kind of ridiculous. So, Hi, I'm sorry, Dormammu. You're getting thrown short no matter what. And I'm dealing a bunch of damage to you. Poor Dormammu. Dormammu. I know. I know. (laughs) All right. So let's move on to some superpowers here. Jesse, you know it. You love it. Yes, I do. It's an active superpower. It's Gamma Leap. For three power, you will place the Immortal Hulk within range two of its current position. Can only be used once per turn. Of course, this is the same Gamma Leap we know and love on the original Hulk. So it's good. Yeah, I, I think I've said multiple times on the very first Hulk episode and every time Hulk's been brought up since on the show, you want to game leap as much as possible mm-hmm. in a game, right? Because it is just action economy for Hulk, right? And it's like sometimes as well. So sometimes you can do the gamma leap, get two strikes off. It's massive and get all that power back or and more, right? But also too, sometimes you can use the gamma leap defensively. You could just like move, move up slightly, punch someone, right? throw them away and the gamma leap back, you know, like th- that's always an option as well. So it's one of those things where since it's a superpower that costs you no actions, you want to do it, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's going to yeah, help dude. you, but I mean, in keeping with the theme of wanting to do superpowers that are awesome, the immortal Hulk has one more active superpower called leave Hulk alone cost three power as well. Choose an interactive train feature or enemy character, both size four or less and within range two and throw it medium. This superpower can only be used once per turn. Huh, Chris, what do you know? This is the same as classic Hulks, except it costs one more. I think there's some blood in the water here, and I think AMG might be telling us something about Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that we've been asking to be changed on the Hulk the most is, you know, this incredible, amazing best throw in the game in a lot of ways cost two on classic hulk but now it costs three on immortal hulk and also you know she hulk as well cost three so i could see this being brought in line i'm not sure we need to read the tea leaves much more than that for you folks no but this ability is amazing i mean this is why you play hulk it's in awesome my opinion. dude he's got a displacement on his on his worst day 
the level of displacement, guaranteed displacement that this model has is why it costs seven threat and why it's really, really good. And just to make it even more clear how much displacement he has, his first innate superpower is endless rage. During the power phase, Immortal Hulk gains two additional power. So he's gaining three power every power phase. Gamma Leap, Leave Hulk Alone, Online, Round One, Yep, like beginning of activations, right? So that is incredibly powerful. Move, move, throw, not bad. It's not bad. No. And I mean, you can even test the waters a little bit more with Hulk where it's like, and quite frankly, I think a lot of people do this with classic Hulk. They gamma leap, they punch, they get enough power to do leave Hulk alone, you know? Yep. Displacement is the name of the game with this character. But what's also crazy about this character is he can do more damage than classic Hulk, you know, at least on paper. Yeah. Either one of them could spike in different ways, but this gamma burst and then the amount of throws he can get off of his smashes just make his damage spikes higher because classic Hulk just has the pushes, right? Exactly. I almost feel like you all, you want to just go super tall against I Hulk, right? Super tall or super wide. Yeah. Just initial, initial thoughts only. Don't, don't take that. I think don't super take tall that, or super uh, wide. I don't think you want to go in the middle for sure. Which is a problem for me because the middle is where I love living. That f- five activations. Yeah. Four I, activations. Four, four lately. I've been really enjoying four. Uh, Uh, Anyway, so let's move on to what makes this character this character. That's right. We have got a couple of big innates to talk about here. And Jesse, I'm going to do my best to read this properly and let you decipher it for us. Okay. Immortality. During the cleanup phase, if Immortal Hulk has a dazed token and an immortality token, Immortal Hulk is KO'd. That is removed from the table, folks. He's done. Otherwise, during the cleanup phase, while this character is dazed, if Immortal Hulk does not have an immortality token, Immortal Hulk may remove all special conditions and all power from itself. For each power removed this way, it removes one damage from itself. Then Immortal Hulk removes the dazed token and gains the immortality token. Yeah, and we'll just cover the green door real quick before we discuss these together in tandem. So the innate superpower of the green door at the end of each turn, if the immortal Hulk has an immortality token, it may remove one damage from itself. If this character ever has no damage, it removes the immortality token. So let me just ask this obvious question here. In the green door, they have gone out of their way to bold at the end of each turn. So what I am supposing here is that it is not only the Immortal Hulk's turns, but also other characters' turns, including your opponents. Yes. Every turn in the round. Excellent. Which is crazy, right? So that's a lot of healing. I mean, you could do something as as interesting as like go with a character at the top of a round, heal him with patch up, and then at the end of that character's turn, he will also heal one more, right? Because it was a turn. And now it's Chris's turn. He's going to go with his enemy character. At the end of his enemy character's turn, Hulk will heal one more damage. It's like healing factor one at the end of every turn. Nuts. Not the character's turn. Now, the immortality thing. So the first time you'd be dazed, he gets some more immortality token. This is where it gets kind of interesting because he spins power to heal himself back. The ideal version of this is he spent. He got ten power somehow, max from from being grazed, right. and also just you know various things. And he heals back ten, 
So now he's at, you know, five damage when he comes back from immortality. Right. Right. That's that's his perfect scenario. I don't think that's going to happen every time. I think it might be more like he has seven damage left on, on him or something, you know, or eight damage left on him or something like about half of his health. So keep that in mind. That is his most delicate time is the first time he wakes up. The time to strike. <laughs> that's right. But if he also wakes up, survives that round. It's going to be tough sledding, bud. Now you got a problem because a lot of things happen to bring him hopefully back closer to the 15 health again. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're doing something like that patch up play you just described. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you goes, heals mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Wong, any, any number of characters. Hey, what do you know? Who's, who's a defender and a midnight suns. (sighs) It's almost like (laughs) it would be good together. Uh, Yeah. That's what I was, like I was saying, theoretically you're going to have 10 power when, because you're probably getting knocked over on a spike, right? Right. So it's going to be somewhere around 10 power. Now you're looking at 25 health. Now we're removing some every turn. Yeah. Maybe a lot if you're not in a position to get to him. So it's interesting. You need to have a plan to deal with him, much like you need a plan to deal with Malekith. You can't just roll up on a table. No. See these characters... And, and let them do what they would like to do. It's it's like uh, if you're for my for my sports people, the Lakers aren't letting Steph Curry just get to his shot. I gotcha. They're not letting, you know, the, the Warriors aren't letting Anthony Davis just get to his shot after game one. Oh, absolutely. The worst thing you do with this Hulk is, is just let him get to where he wants to be and yeah, let him he be wants where he to wants do. to be and let give him targets. And, you know, it's make him rotate to you. Right. You have to make them work for it. He's still going to do damage. He's going to accomplish a, a lot. lot. He is a seven threat character. He should accomplish but a lot. You, yeah. He absolutely should. But the onus on you as the opponent is to make it as difficult for Immortal Hulk to do these things as possible and to try to hit him at the right times or or, or what have you. Just have a plan. Know when you're going to strike. Know what you're going to do if your dice fail. Know what you're going to do if they spike. Yeah, absolutely. And and closing on his card, Chris, a little bit of more staying power for him. He has the immunities to Hex, Poison, and Stun. The Stun is huge. Yeah, so the theme is correct. In comparison with our classic Hulk, who's immune to Poison and Stun, I do like that this Hulk is immune to Hex. This is the one below all. And also, it's making his damage even scarier, right? If you can't Hex him, this damage is just happening. Very cool. And I, I think now's the time to briefly talk about the differences between the two of them because there are many differences between the two of them. It might seem they might seem similar because they do have a lot of superpowers and things in common, but they're very different, Chris. This Hulk, he's more fragile, right? It's weird yes. to say because he he's got all this healing potential. But he has lower health and he does not have Hulk, not puny banner, which, of course, is a very expensive superpower that Hulk can pay for, but very powerful to reroll all your defense dice, including skulls, right? So him not having that and him having less health, obviously, he's, you know, easier to take down, right, than our classic right. Hulk. Now, what's funny is our classic Hulk has Hulk smash as his spender and this Hulk has Gamma Burst as his spender. Gamma Burst has got that nice range three, Hulk smash is range two, but Hulk smash has the stagger and throw. And Gamma Burst has the throw, and then the they gain no power from the attack. So it's like both have their place, you know? <laughs> both have control because the Smash has the stagger, and the Gamma Burst has the you gain no power, right? But in some situations, stagger is much better than the Gamma Burst, right? Correct. So we're already getting all these interesting spots. They have the same 
Gamma Leap, they have the same throw, except one of them costs less, which is, I think, might be changed in the future. And then, of course, Classic Hulk has You Won't Like Me When I'm Angry. The more you hurt him, the harder he hits. So he actually right. ramps like crazy. New Hulk is just scary out the gate, but he doesn't ramp. You know, he heals. Now, I find it so interesting that, like, Classic Hulk ramps his damage, but his defenses stay very consistent. His defenses and controls stay very consistent. And the new Hulk has insanely high point of damage. And then his his health, not his defenses, but his health kind of ramps as the game goes on, right? If the game's going longer, he's healing more. He's staying around longer, right? But innately, Chris, I'll just say right at the gate, this Hulk is very exciting, very interesting. It's going to be a lot harder to play than classic Hulk. He is going to be a lot harder to play, but he's got a lot more appeal for me. Fair. This could just be new toy syndrome as well. And yeah, it could yeah. be, and you know, I've also got a little bit more of attachment to, I mean, just the fact that they did immortal Hulk period kind of yeah. has me buzzing in the first place. It's so, amazing. Uh, I'm and, and the sculpt is just incredible. We have to talk oh about the gosh. sculpt a little bit. Sure. My other than, I mean, Eight pack. here's, here's my little bit. It's incredible. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, he's about to dunk on you. That's that's absolutely right. You know it, man. So, Jesse, we got some cards we got to quickly talk about because we've got more characters A to lot. go. I My know. goodness. So, the first card up is Gamma Drain. It is unaffiliated. It is active. During the Immortal Hulk's activation, it may play this card. Choose an enemy character within range two. The chosen character gains a Gamma Drain token. The Immortal Hulk places this token on an active or reactive superpower of the chosen character. When a superpower marked with this Gamma Drain token is used, after the effect is resolved, the Immortal Hulk gains power equal to the power spent to use the superpower. It's pretty freaking powerful. Absolutely. I think this is pretty cool when you see a team with another big character, right? Because it might be that's a tentpole of their list, right? It's not just that. I've had this idea. I'm sure others have had it, but oh, to yeah. me, this screams throw this on on Beta Ray Bill's reduction, throw this on yeah. uh, at really any pay to reduce it's strong. Any character has like you're just going to be ra- every time they're reducing a little bit, they're furthering their demise, and it just makes me mm. giddy. Yeah, I also think it's like a good way to put on characters that live by their superpowers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like Juggernaut's slide. This is massive. Oh yeah, man. Because his goal is to slide as much as possible. Good Putting point. this on Malekith's Ferocity, his charge, or his Cloak of Shadows, maybe even better on his Cloak of Shadows, where he gets to count skulls as crits. Mm-hmm. It's insane because it is something they always want to do. It is something that they are going to continue to do. They're not going to be deterred by you doing this. So why not get a whole bunch of extra power on Hulk? And once again, this is actually adding to Hulk's staying power because when that immortality trigger happens, he is going to have ideally that 10 power, right? Exactly. I think it's very powerful on a lot of character scripts for this very reason. I mean, Magneto's throw. Just real quick. I really like the idea of throwing the Scamma Drain and keeping maybe a character like Loki within range three Ooh. of the character you Gamma Drained. Rude. Very rude. So now we're talking major taxes to do the thing that your list is trying to do. That's debilitating big time. It's an amazing card. It's a very cool card and people are going to think of some really awesome uses for it and I'm very excited to see them. It's a solid card 10, quite honestly. And your 10 year Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a toolbox. All right. We got to move on to the next one. 
And our final new card for the Immortal Hulk. That's right. The one below all. It is also unaffiliated. It is also active. During the Immortal Hulk's activation, it may spend two power to play this card. If the Immortal Hulk has an immortality token, it may remove up to two special conditions from itself. If it does not have an immortality token, it may place itself within two of its current position. So we're looking at double Gamma Leap turn? That's right. It's just a good card. It's it's, it's just a solid it's flex just solid. card. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a remove two debilitating conditions like stagger, right? Yeah. Or Gamma Leap for free. Like both things that you can use in any game at any given time. And I do like that it's an either or. So it's not like it's not like one or the other has to happen in a certain order. It's you're getting what can value. You do? Yeah. You're getting value no matter what. And it's, it's just good. a question of knowing when to use it. I think both these cards are good on Immortal Hulk and uh, time will tell where they come up. But I you know, I think the places we have initially are good thoughts and I'm excited to see them expand more. But Chris, it's time to move on to a very exciting character card, Modoc Scientist Supreme. That's George Tarleton, Alter Ego once again. So keeping just in line with what I said with Hulk, this is the same Alter Ego as our classic Modoc. So can't have both on the table. He is a large base model with a short move. So keeping in line with the movement of our classic Modoc, but he is a size three, presumably because his brain has not grown as much yet because <laughs> this is an earlier Modoc, right? And he's also... He's a smaller sculpt. His chair looks more streamlined. It's a more basic chair. So let's talk about his defenses. So his defenses are three physical, three energy, and five mystic. So he actually has a little bit uh, better on the physical front than our classic Modoc. Very interesting. But he has less stamina than our classic Modoc uh, at the five threat respective level. He has a stamina of seven, and he's a threat cost of four. So this is a cheaper version of our classic Modoc, and uh, we'll see how they differ. Well, let's start it off. The first, Let's start with his attack suite here. The first up is Doomsday Chair Arsenal. It is a physical attack, range 4, strength of 5, power cost of 0. Before choosing a target, this character chooses whether the attack type is physical or energy. That is extremely nice. Yeah, especially at range 4. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. And on a wild, you will trigger Incinerate, of course, which of course lowers the character afflicted lowers their defense dice by one which is very powerful this is good this is just really good yeah this is like goblins pumpkin bombs but less good because but goblin gets to choose the condition type right but it's the yes. same concept range four choose if it's physical or energy and we talked about how good it is on goblin because it's like you are choosing their weaker defense not only to deal more damage to them but more importantly to give yourself more power because mm-hmm. this is a power Big building time. attack right and, and he they needs have the less power dice. yeah he needs the power so just like goblin needs the power modok really needs this power and um you know he wants to use it and i lo- we love incinerate on a strike that's just awesome but moving on chris he only has one more attack it's called the psionic assault it's a mystic attack of course shorter range though range three and a strength of seven and a power cost of four before damage is dealt modok may advance the target character short so once again guaranteed control just i mean you could almost read this ability as spin forward and move an enemy character short right at the end of a round 100 but also it has a wild trigger of disorient before damage is dealt the target character gains the stun special condition thank goodness that they have finally started adding that before damage is it's dealt cool. clause to a lot of these stun mechanics it it really just ups Makes the juice on the stun token by a lot it it because what's the point of trying to put a stun on if 
you just gave them, you know, four power. Well, you did. You just defeated the purpose of the stun by powering them up. Yeah. And I, it seems like they're making spenders better, Chris. Like this they isn't, a, this is not an incredible spender by any means, but the fact that it moves a character guaranteed, you don't need to get a wild or something for that. Guaranteed and that, use. And that it could give a stun to them before damage is dealt is actually really cool and powerful. The problem is this costs four. And yeah. as Chris was talking about, Modok has a bunch of superpowers coming up that he wants to spend his power on. So this is going to be one of the situations like I talked about recently on Torch, where it's like, okay, Torch's spender is good. It's fine. But you want to do everything else on his card before the spender. And and so it's like, oh, he's flush on power. Okay, let's do some psionic assaults. Let's, it's it's let's one of it. those late game or or they flipped, they flipped him early. He's flush, you know. It, it's not something you're planning on using every game, but, but it is but. there. And it has some actual guaranteed uses. You're not fishing for a wild on this four on this uh, four power spender. Four power is a lot, so I like it. Look, I like it. Yeah, there's no size restriction on the advance too, right? And there's it's not a push, it's not a throw, so it's not limited by terrain, right? So you could advance them onto that truck that's right behind Mm. them, right? Things like that, rather than a push or a throw, which would maybe get caught and just stay there, right? So. I do think that is the coolest part of this, and I think it's actually quite good. It's just the problem is Modoc getting four power. Yeah, how often do you need to use it? So we need to move on uh, to the superpowers. Advanced Idea Mechanics, Affiliation, Criminal Syndicate. Once per turn, when an allied character is attacking or defending, if it is holding or contesting an objective token, if it has one or more wild results in its role, it may change one of its dice to a hit or a defense. So... Very dice dependent, very, there's some hoops here, but if you can find a way to make those hoops get hoop through, get to, if you can find a way through that, <laughs> it's fine. this, this can be, can be very useful, but I, I don't know. It's, I'll say my piece about it. Actually say your piece. I feel pretty fondly of this leadership. I think people are getting a little too comboy with this. I think the true power of this leadership is that it just innately makes your attacks and defense better as the game goes on and smarter people than I have done the math, Chris, but essentially on the defense side, which I think is a little bit more interesting than the attack side, this, the possibility to roll a wild on three defense results and then get, you know, get another block out of it and all this stuff is roughly the same as the web warrior leadership, the reroll one dice. Oh, interesting. I think it's a feeling versus an execution thing where it's like the web warrior one, you're just always doing it. It's fun. It feels good. Even when you don't roll into something, it just feels good. And this one's like roughly the same. You're just not doing anything until the wild shows up. But then the math is ends up being sli- roughly the same with a slight edge to Miles' leadership. So it's like, oh, we're looking at like 36 and 38% chance of, you know, getting one more block right on defense. And it's like, okay, that's that's good. That's actually really helpful to think of it in that way. And I think if you think of the attacks the same way, mm-hmm. obviously the bigger your dice pools get, the better this gets on both. But I think you need to look at this leadership as a blanket, like I'm playing classic Steve, I'm playing classic Red Skull. The game is just easier for me slightly in one area. Yeah, you just out economy and kind of try to outpace your opponent over the long game. It's Absolutely. You're, you, you might spike and things might get out of control, but this is not an innately snowbally leadership. This is a this is an incremental advantage over the course of the game leadership. And keep in mind, if you have things that change your dice to wilds, like, uh, you know, Chris and I really love Gambit, things like that, that would still trigger this. So there's ways to make this better as well. And, There's ways you to know, game it. And there will probably be even more in the future. 
Yes. And of course, characters with wild triggers are just good with this, not because it's giving you better dice results per se. It's just when they're getting those wild triggers that they want, the lower kidneys with pierces and stuff, it's like you're getting a what I'm calling a, a, a double pierce where it's like, okay, you pierce their die and you add yourself an extra result for free. It's just like cooking with gas, but it, I don't really necessarily think you should or have to play that way. I think it's just, that's nice. And that's the little bits of spikes on top of this nice math that it's giving you quite frankly on your attacks and defense where it's just they're a little bit better but i think the the trap with this is getting super focused on your dice i think you just got to think my dice are slightly better and that's just how it's going to be and you know we've all had extremely bad extremely good dice games right and this oh, yeah. leadership is going to have less influence on those moments right but just as a blanket it's just going to have a little bit of influence on all your attack and defense. And as Chris said, yeah, maybe the game goes longer. That's actually kind of good for this leadership. Oh, I agree. I think so. Yeah, this is not an, an attrition leadership. I think this is a score out leadership. It's just a play the game in its pure basic Marvel Christ protocol sense. Yeah, you yeah. just have the odds are just a little bit more in your favor yeah. playing the game like, yeah, without breaking any game rules. Yes. It's just not flashy and that's okay. But that's I'll move okay. on Chris to his superpowers because he does have a few they're all pretty cool. The first one is a active superpower called by my calculations, you'll be dead in seconds. It costs three power. Choose an interactive train feature size four or less within three and throw it short. The superpower can only be used once per turn. Okay, let's get the cool stuff out of the way. We're, we're paying three for a size four train. Very cool. Big, let's, cool. But let's get the kind of like deflating stuff out of the way. Short range is very tough. Not impossible and not like it's definitely going to happen right every game if you want it to but keep in mind modok is a short mover so you know this is not like one of the situations where it's like oh i'm throwing train medium from my base and i've got average movement you know this is like he's a little bit slow and his train throw is short and i find it interesting because five threat modok has a, a long throw so once again this is that early modok he's more the scientist he's not the killing machine solely right he's he's got other stuff he's focused on and i i just think it's cool that he has a throw in general i'll take it yeah it's good for especially contesting objectives right yeah, this right here makes him kind of viable to contest objectives if you've got a proper terrain map because you're going to have a, a couple things to throw with him on a hotly contested objective. Yes, theoretically. So that's kind that's kind of how I view this is a well, if I get in close, I'll maybe have a building to throw type thing in, during an activation, but it's not something you're going to try to do every activation now and i also view this too as like maybe a better version of like i think using that spender logic i presented earlier where it's like i'm using the spender to give them this condition and to move yeah. them short honestly i think this is a better spender chris quite honestly to to actually damage them just throw a size four at them that's gonna hurt it's really gonna hurt yeah so this, but there's this this could be a good finisher there's only f so many size fours on any given board though is the only problem so yeah, but it's, it's size four or less. It's like oh, a man. whole board. If you're the one to get a hold of it, though, it's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, he'll throw size threes for three all day. All That's day. Awesome. Yeah. All right, let's move on to his next superpower. It is reactive. All in this world are beneath me. <laughs> it will cost X. While Modoc Scientist Supreme is attacking, during the modified dice step of the attack, if there's another allied character within three, Modoc Scientist Supreme may use this superpower. The allied character may spend up to three power. For each power spent this way, Modoc may reroll one attack dice. Wow. That's this can cool. be pretty cool. There are some ways to game this, you know, as guardians on the team, you know, lockjaw, things like the you know, characters. Yeah. K 
characters that gain a lot of power that maybe don't have great ways to spend it and just kind of keep them parked. I love it. I, I think this is very interesting and a fun thought exercise, right? Where it's like, sure, he rerolls, but his allies are paying for it, right? Like, I, I love that. And it's so thematic of this Modoc, where it's like he is the leader of AIM. Especially when we consider his next superpower, too. The theme here is absolutely. Awesome. Well, and I also think too, Chris, like we got to look at this through the the criminal vein and a lot of criminals, we know this, whether you're under Kingpin's leadership or even just like now this MODOK leadership, you want to win the game through points, right? And I think this is a pretty cool way because a lot of criminals have short range attacks and high health pools and they're just sitting on points, right? And this is a cool way for them to spend that power that they can't spend because they don't want to leave the point, right? They don't want to come to you and do a spender. They're probably playing wrong if so. So it's like, I love this where it's like, you've got a lizard He's sitting on six power or something. And it's like, well, I could still help Modoc re-roll with my lizard and then still save enough power for Lizard to have his throw on his turn or something. You know, like it's a good way to evenly spread the power around to get the most use out of your characters. And I think this is probably one of his baseline abilities you're going to be focused on. Yeah. This is a reason to kind of build around the character, I think. This is one of the things you're really focusing on. This is something he brings that not a lot of other characters do, especially coupled with his leadership ability. You're going to be able to fish for these wilds a little more. So that's true. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And like I said, thematically, it's awesome because when you put it together with what I'm about to read, the next reactive superpower called genius requires sacrifice semicolon. And just side note, I have an English degree. Love seeing this proper use of the semicolon here. The semicolon too. is my favorite, you know, uh, favorite punctuation in the English language. It's good. Anyway, your sacrifice to be precise. <laughs> it's going to cost you two power. When Modoc Scientist Supreme is targeted by an enemy attack, Modoc may use this superpower. Choose another allied character within range two. That chosen character becomes the target of the attack, regardless of range and line of sight. So, do you remember that lockjaw I said you had just parked? That's true. Near Modoc. Here's what that's what I'm saying. So this is this is also so similar. Dark. Yeah, I know. That's very Modoc. Like, was what I'm take saying. Take attack for me, dog. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this is so similar. I mean, we've seen this elsewhere. I think what new classic Red Skull. Classic, Classic Red, Red Skull, Skull has this, right? Hail Hydra. That's right. That's right. I have, gosh, I haven't played. I haven't played against him or with him in so long. Yeah, this power is not in the game, Chris. This is a very unique power. It's good. I, it's it's like the it's like the at the intersection of bodyguard and and then the Luke Cage taunt, right? It's somewhere right. in the middle. It's 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 like a different one. So this, to me, initial initial thought, this is just. This is just built for Red Di- Red Guardian, right? Sure. Be- yeah. yeah. Because he's just sitting there taking these attacks, which he's built to do. He yep. doesn't Use have the shield. He doesn't have the taunt built into his kit. He's got it on a card. So you keep the card handy when you need the throw or maybe Modoc's low on power, or whatever. Keep the card handy for an impact moment. But yep. otherwise, Guardian just sitting there built giving Modoc rerolls with his excess power. He has so much then, excess power. Red and Guardian then just does. taking these massive hits. I just good. I don't know, man. It just it it seems it's very clear to me in the way my brain works and the mm-hmm. way I think about this game. Uh, but I know I am not like everyone. I think it synergizes really well, Chris, with characters with damage reduction. Oh yeah, dude. And and aggressive, right? Oh, great thought. Yeah. 
like I'm getting to do things on my opponent's turn if I use on characters like that, right? It's like, oh, you want to attack Modok? Well, I'm actually going to take it on Ursa Major, and now he's short mm-hmm. a short move closer to you, you know, things like that. Put it on Apex, right? This mm-hmm. this helps mm-hmm. get around Apex's power generation problem. Put some, and put some power and damage on him. Puts Yeah, put some damage on him when they didn't want to attack him. Putting power on Sabretooth is... That's his whole thing. If he doesn't get power, he doesn't perform, right? So right. I, I love that. I, I I do think this is very good on characters that need power too. But like you said, like we've been alluding to, very thematic of the aim lore. Just have two threat characters around Modok, helping him give him his rerolls, and then they sacrifice yeah. themselves for him, right? Like like a rocket raccoon or whatever. It's like we, we're all gnats to him. We're all yeah. We are all an inferior species to him. He it's you know he 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 views human humans with hopes and dreams and families and friends as inferior life forms. So it's what makes yeah, him he's not uh, even he's not human. Yeah, yeah. It's what makes him uh, a villain, and it's what makes him hilarious. Absolutely. And closing on his card, Chris, he has an innate superpower. I am Modok, master of the mental arts. When this character is defending against a mystic attack, it adds blanks in its role to its total successes. Additionally, this character cannot be pushed or advanced by the effects of mystic attacks or enemy superpowers. Love it. I especially love that second part, enemy superpowers. He oh, can't I know, be advanced. Man. Ironically, he can't be moved by bow to the will of the enemy Modok, the five third right. Modok, right? So, it's just going to make his his mystic defense much more consistent, and I and I didn't say it earlier, but he does have five stamina on the back, giving him a total of twelve, which is very respectable. And I I think what's been even more respectable is that he has seven on the front because he's staying healthy longer. Yeah, he's front loaded, which discourages the opponent from really trying to go after him in the early game. We know it's powerful. It is powerful. All right, first up is Simpleton. I'll do it myself. It is an unaffiliated active card. If you have fewer victory points than your opponent, George Tarleton may spend two to play this card. Either Modoc. Either Modoc. Choose an allied character within range three of George Tarleton that is holding or contesting an objective token. If the chosen character was holding an objective token, George Tarleton is now holding that token. If the chosen character was contesting an objective token, place George Tarleton within one of that objective token not character, objective token. Then the chosen character is KO'd. You immediately score one VP. This card does not allow a character to hold more tokens than a crisis specifies. Really interesting card. Weird. Perhaps great use of that two threat character in the late game that you have been hovering around uh, MODOK for the rerolls and the bodyguards and the whatnots. So, you know, it gives you something to do with them come round four or five. Yeah, I don't think you ever do this on a character that's not injured. Like you want to do oh, it on yeah. an injured character. Like you don't want to. I don't think you want to prematurely flip someone to their injured side where they're not counting for objectives against healthy opponents. So it's weird. I I do like that it's a teleport. I do like that it's a way to get precious cargo to Modok that might be in a situation where, as Chris said, that two threats kind of hurt. You really don't want your opponent to take that extract away from them in particular so it's like might as well get it on modok with his seven stamina it's a lot safer with him and the one vp is interesting i don't like the clause that it's fewer vps than your opponent to play it because it means if you're just like playing the game well playing the game right in the driver's seat against your opponent which you always want to be and you brought this card it's like oh it's just blank to you you know i don't like that part yeah but i get it because they don't want you to score they don't want you to be ahead and on 15 points and then just kill Black Widow and take the extract and score 16 points and end the game. I get it. Like it's it perfect future proofing. But it's more of a teleport and a situational get 
the cargo to Modoc. But his second card is also very weird. It's called Mind Games. It's unaffiliated and active. If George Charlton, so once again, either Modoc is within range two of an enemy character, he may spend three power to play this card. Range two is very close. I will say three power is a lot, but this is an interesting card. Choose an enemy character within range two of George Charlton. Divide the experiment tokens into two piles. Each pile must contain at least one experiment token. Flip all experiment tokens to their Modoc side and present both piles to the opposing player. So these tokens have different stuff on the back, but they have Modoc all on the top. So the opposing player, now you've got your hands in front of them. It's the shell game. The opposing player must choose one of the two piles and reveal all tokens within it. For each zap revealed, which is a damage, the chosen enemy character suffers one damage. For each sap revealed, which is the power symbol, the chosen enemy character loses power. And George Tarleton gains the power because it's sap power. If the victory point tracker flag reward is revealed, the opposing player gains one VP. If the reward is not revealed, Modoc's controller gains two VPs. This is nuts. Do you want to gamble? I do like gambling. And I feel like there's a lot of gamesmanship that can be played with this too. Yeah. I think the toughest part of this card is range two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the, the card is innately in your favor. Because it's like, okay, my opponent's either going to get one VP, I'm going to get two VPs, but there's no matter what, they're taking auto damage potentially and auto saps. And let's be honest, you can you can rig that to where they know they know where the VP token is, and they can take it, but they're going to pay for it. You know what I mean? Or they can do mm. the smaller pile that that is is maybe less negative effects, but they're not getting that. They're getting up two VPs. So yeah, because you choose the size of the piles exactly. and what chance they go. So and it's you very can, mine. It's very and mine you games. can also play that game once and then reverse it. Put the VP in the small. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do, man. It it's going to get very fun. Uh, paper rock scissors players rejoice. Absolutely. So that is Modoc. It's very interesting. I, I think he's a welcome piece of the criminal syndicate, especially as a flex piece when Kingpin gets put on those pay to flips, right? And I think he's a better flex piece than Shadowlands Daredevil in the Kingpin shell. And what I mean in that is when you build Shadowlands, you want to build a Shadowlands list, Chris. Like you want to go all in on that and be scary with your damage, right? I think Modoc is a great second leader to Kingpin's plan where it's like, I'm playing a Kingpin list. Oh, uh, we drew Mutant Madman. Well, I'm not going to play a Kingpin leadership because the pay to flip, I can't use it, but right. I will play Modoc leadership and feel fine. Yes, sir. On Mutant Madman. But Chris, we got to move on to a very exciting character that we did cover in Adepticon. So we're going to cover her less intense today, but we do have all the text that we can read today, which is very nice. It's Squirrel Girl. Doreen Green, she is a four threat character. She is a, a small base with a medium move, so she's standard there. She has a stamina of six and a size of two, and her defenses are three physical, three energy, three mystic. Total stamina of 11. Yep, so she does go down to five on the back, which... Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, her stats are a little bit deceptive. Very. They're kind of low uh, defensively for a four threat character, though everything else is in line for a four threat character. It's true, and, and like you said... There's there's reasons and we'll get to them quickly. Let's let's run through these attacks really fast and then we'll get to the talking points on this character. The first attack is Knuckle Spike Strike. It is a physical attack, range three, strength of five, power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, Squirrel Girl gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger ambush. After this attack is resolved, place Squirrel Girl within one of the target character. So not a guaranteed place. You've got to trigger it, but five dice going to happen pretty 
decent, a pretty decent amount. A force place. Force place. So it's, you know, I, I do love the range three place within one attacks, though. They, I do too, they get around so many uh, bad things. <laughs> just be ready to place when you're yeah, doing Yeah, you're going to have to. This is Beast Strike. He has the same yep. thing. So if you're, if you're used to playing Beast, very much that. I do love the range three as well, Chris. But finishing out her attack, she has another physical attack. What do you know? Army of Squirrels. It's range four, which we love to see. A strength of six and a power cost of only two. If this attack deals damage after the attack is resolved, the target character gains bleed and stun automatically. And if you get a wild before each damage is dealt, if the target character is size three or less, this character pushes the target character short. Notice it doesn't say away, it just says pushes. I love this spender, Chris. This is super awesome spender. She is pointing at you and sending this army of squirrels to you, and you are taking bleed and stun and some damage and you know, staggering back some direction because you are covered in squirrels, but very powerful spender. Honestly, it's not going to do a lot of damage, but it's consistent and cheap. Exactly. I do love two power spenders that have guaranteed effects. Yeah. And size three push. Yeah. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. So now we got to move on to this wall of text. And before we do, just so we're all, so we're all in the right headspace, let's, let's be in the brother Daniel token headspace while we think about this. All right, everybody. So we're going to start off with her first superpower. It is an active superpower. It is tippy toe takedown. You will be spending X power on this squirrel girl may spend any amount of power to use the superpower. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Choose an enemy character within range three of this character with a threat value equal to or lower than the amount of power spent to use this superpower. Move the tippy toe token to that character. While that character has the tippy toe token, it does not add critical results in its attack, defense, or dodge rolls to its total successes and cannot add dice to its attack, defense, or dodge rolls as a result of critical successes. So, Jesse, not only are we eliminating a positive dice side, that's very strong. On top of no explosions. That's really, really good. Problem being, we cannot put this on Malekith round one yet. <laughs> I'm not sure how to get seven power on her round one yet. Yeah, and this is massive on characters with big attacks. Like this it's is actually awesome, massive. dude. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's amazing. Good. So I'm just gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep going here because they mm. they're all intertwined here. So True. first reactive superpower, tippy come back, cost zero power. When Squirrel Girl is targeted by an attack. Squirrel Girl may use this superpower. Move the tippy toe token to this character from anywhere. Okay, now yeah. we have our retrieval mechanic. So let's go into our first innate superpower, Squirrelies. Squirrel Girl begins the game with a tippy toe token. While Squirrel Girl has the tippy toe token, Squirrel Girl may reroll up to two dice when making an attack, defense, or dodge roll. Additionally, during the power phase, you may move the token from anywhere to this character. Whenever a character is dazed or KO'd while it has the tippy-toe token, move the tippy-toe token to this character. This character cannot have a tippy-toe token except the one it begins the game with. When Squirrel Girl is removed from the battlefield, remove its tippy-toe token from the game. Additionally, when Squirrel Girl is dazed, move the tippy-toe token to this character from anywhere. So when she's got it, 
she is much tankier. She is much better at dealing damage. But when she doesn't have it, when she has passed it off to someone, they are just absolutely just they're fighting with a hand behind their back. Yeah. And the math is actually better putting it on people than keeping it on her. Oh, interesting. I love that. In the sense of like things are more consistent on her, which is great. And you're gonna want to keep tippy on her probably early game. But it's like it is more debilitating to put it on a high threat character than keep it on her. So it's like one of the situations where it's like maybe it's a game with not without high threat characters. Maybe Tippy is not going out on enemies a lot, right? But it's it's very interesting. It's very in canon with her lore too. Like we've talked about, you know, oh yeah, Squirrel Girls come up a little bit on the show, and she obviously she'll come up in the future because we're gonna do her. But we're gonna do her episode in the future, and it's gonna be very exciting. But it's like I find this so fascinating where it's like it's debilitating for big characters but then she's exposed she's kind of like a three threat then with good with better attacks right and then defensively she's a three threat and then when it's on her she's like a full-blown four threat and she's doing a lot of stuff so i i find it very cool and they also fixed a lot of the voodoo issues of the rules it's like daniel doesn't go back to voodoo when certain things happen they fix that uh you get rid of her you daze her, Tippy comes back to her because he's concerned for her. Also, you you daze the enemy that Tippy was jumping on and messing with and obviously making those crits not happen. Yep. Well, Tippy's gonna return to her because he did his job, you know. So job done. I, I find it very cool, but Chris, her final superpower is the innate wall crawler. You, you love to see love it. Love it. She's got web warrior potential written all over her for a lot of reasons. She has potential in a lot of affiliations. She's 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 very good at a, at at, at what she does. She's good at her job and her job happens to be uh, hurting the big boys, uh, making them less effective. So it's great. And in the current state of the game, that's a very useful thing. Yeah. Chess sounds characters. And we talked about her more in length in our Adepticon episodes. If you want to hear more of those thoughts, definitely check it out. But Chris, we got to move on to Gwenpool, alter ego, Gwendolyn pool. She's also a four threat character and a size of two and a medium mover on a small base. So pretty standard there, but her defenses are four physical, three energy, four mystic. Very impressive. She has a stamina of six on the front and a stamina of six on the back, putting her at 12. Very impressive stat line. And this we're going to see this theme running through with her. She is a beefy character. Yeah, man. She's stanky. But let's go through her attacks real quick. Her first attack is a physical attack called Stabby Swords. It's range two, strength of five, and a power cost of zero. Pretty baseline stats after attack is resolved she gains power equal to damage dealt and on a wild she will trigger pierce so very good uh strike but it is range two unfortunately chris i'll keep reading uh her attacks and we'll kind of do a big pass on all of her attacks in one go she has a, a second physical attack called gwynpool's bag of tricks range four strength of four power cost of zero after the attack is resolved she gains one power so it is a gainer we do love that i think this is gonna be the main thing you do with her and on a wild and a hit she will trigger the gwynpool special after the attack is resolved the defending character gains one of the following conditions bleed shocks incinerate or poison harder to get i like it a lot just options. because of the choice and the options, but man, fishing for wilds on four dice is pretty tough. And then adding that hit, which granted you're most likely to roll a hit, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's not gonna happen a lot, but it's a range four gainer. You'd love to see it. Advanced idea mechanics. She's really good in that team. Uh, if you got that, what wild, do you know? What do you know? You're going to get that Gwynpool special. But closing out her attacks, Chris, we talked about this in the Adepticon episode. Now we can fully read it. Very helpful. Energy attack this in towards target. It's her rocket launcher. It's a range four, strength of eight, 
power cost of four attack. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the incinerate and stun special conditions full stop. It just happens to them. And also on a wild, you're going to trigger scorched earth before damage is dealt. Very interesting. All other characters within two of the target characters suffer one damage and gain the incinerate special condition. Yes, Chris, this says all other characters, not allied or enemies. So watch out. Uh, she could hurt herself with this or her allies, but as she should, it's a rocket. It's a big explosion, but uh, so many cool synergies with this one, of course. It's a good when, spender. And many, many different teams, actually. But yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty dang good spender, especially on an E-map, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a Bob Rocket attack. Which exactly. Makes sense. Let's move on to her first superpower. It is an active superpower. It is travel through gutter space. It's going to cost you two. If Gwenpool is not holding an objective token, place it within three of its current position. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So not Amazing. a good objective runner, but very mobile. That's, yeah, web that's swing. great. Yeah, web swing for her. Fantastic. Yeah, you're going to use as much as you possibly can. And, and what's cool is with the addition of a range four gainer, you can do that. Like, like, oh yeah, dude. Like you can just guarantee it's going to happen because you can single or double tap with your gainer and then travel through gutter space and then potentially do something else. I, I love it. Power phase plus a gainer equals this every turn, <laughs> you know? So uh, right. you're going to want to do it, but closing on her card, Chris, she has two more superpowers, a reactive superpower called retcon powers activate costs X while Gwenpool is attacking or defending during the modified dice step of the attack. Gwenpool may spend up to three power. For each power spent, this character may reroll one of its attack or defense dice. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Um, this character is kind of nuts, Chris. Like she is just so consistent, so solid. And the fact that she has her own Shuri rerolls for herself on attack and defense, just like Psylocke, just like other characters that have been popping up lately. It's awesome. It's great. And also can guarantee you get those things off, like we talked about. Like the pierce on her strike, like the pierce hit on her bag of yeah. tricks. And you can, like you the, can go fishing for those wilds. And yeah, and and then like the wild on Scorched Earth, because that's huge. Wild, it's good. Honestly. But closing out her card, she has the innate plot armor. When Glenpool would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. So she's right up there with Cage and, good. and Lizard and um yeah, uh, Chris, this character is a brawler. She is a defensive bruiser character, and we love to see it. And I, I find it so cool that she is just solid and that she has the restriction of the gutter space of you can't be holding objective, right? It's like they've done some planning. That would probably be too good on her, honestly. So, Oh, yeah, because if, if she could get away like With that, something. you're just not going to be able to catch up. Well, when you do catch up, you're not going to be able to take her out because she's so yes. tanky. Yeah, but keep in mind, you could gutter space up to a extract and then double oh, yeah, the void, dude. right? So oh, yeah. she she has more movement than it, it first seems on first glance. It, it's very cool. But now that we've covered both of these awesome ladies in the game, let's talk about these crazy tactics cards they have. The first one is Inexplicable Demise. It's unaffiliated and active, so you can play this on any Squirrel Girl team. During Squirrel Girl's activation, she may spend X to play this card. She's going to be a character within two of Squirrel Girl and with a threat value of X or less. Roll a number of dice equal to the chosen character's threat value. Very interesting. So you're paying cost of their threat and then you're rolling that many dice. If the roll contains one of the following combinations of results, you may apply their corresponding effect. So let's say I target Thanos with this. I pay eight power. That's a lot. Mm. But 
Now we're getting in the situation of you are going to get more effects because I am getting a bigger dice pool. So let's talk about these effects. If you get a crit, the chosen character gains the slow special condition. So this is your lowest barrier. If you get a crit and a wild, the chosen character gains the slow and stagger special conditions. Okay, now I'm very interested, Chris. The, the stagger... My ears are perking up. Yeah. So the next result is a crit, wild, and hit, which actually, you know, the hit is one of the easiest ones to get. So it's funny that it's three tiers down. I like how they've kind of staggered it. Oh, this is, yeah, it's not an it, easy roll to make. No. What I'm saying is if you got the wild and the crit on the last one, you, you might have gotten the hit too. So you might have gotten lucky because hits are just more common so if you got a crit wild and hit the chosen character gains slow stagger and root love that i especially love that on a character like thanos or malekith which is probably what i was targeting with this attack yep and if i got that i'm pleased but if you get a crit wild hit and block you will now give them slow stagger root and stun and if you get the coveted yahtzee crit wild hit block Critical failure, the skull. The chosen character is KO'd. And keep in mind, Chris, this is KO'd. It doesn't matter if they're healthy, dazed, yep. what, what, like it doesn't just matter if they're healthy, the injured. Table. Yeah, they're just off the table. First of all, the theme of this is incredible because in some of Scroll Girl's canon and non canon lore, she has just aced people like Dr. Doom, Thanos, you know. Yeah. And it, this is a wonderful representation of that. But not to mention the higher threat character you are, the <laughs> more risky. risk you're at because. I mean, look, Crimson Dynamo, you're only getting four. You're only getting four dice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now we're talking. It's probably a five threat character and up thing, honestly. This exactly. This is not something you're going to use on a two, three, four threat. At four threat, the best you can do, slow stagger root stun. Very nice. Sure. But it's a super low chance of that happening. You have to have every dice be exactly what you need. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, let's be clear. This is just a roll. This is not like an attack. So no no explosions, the crits are yeah, happening or yeah, anything. Yeah. No, no modify. And no modifying re-dice, no re-rolls. Well, there is one modify, Chris, which is very cool. There's only one. Heimdall. Oh, yeah, but... He can get you to re-roll a couple of these dice. I mean, come on. That's that's only one character, though, right? Right, and right. But it, I'm saying he makes the math of this card way better. Way better. Oh, for sure. And just crazy. Kind of want to try it, but... yeah. He's not adding dice though, so no, he's just he's helping you get. What You're you not going to be able to KO that four threat character with this card ever. Smart people have done the math, Chris, and it's like it's one of those things where it's like if you put this on a Thanos or a Malekith or something, there's like there's like an eight to eleven percent chance you just KO them. That's maybe a chance you might just take, you know? Absolutely, man. Especially to get you back in a game if you're just not in a game. But I think the biggest use of this card is what we've been kind of talking about is you maybe put on a five or six threat character and give them a lot of conditions. Like it, I would love to give classic Hulk like stagger and root right the other stuff is just bonuses right so but you also could just play like pyro and pay three power right for firewall exactly (laughs) for slow and slow and root right so to me this is you're you're this is oh this comes out every fun game of squirrel girl ever you you bring it every time well i don't know i don't i don't think i bring it unless there's a sixth threat or above on the table personally yeah I, i guess the way i'm looking at it is like am i willing to pay for power to potentially put a a stagger on logan yeah probably am that's right? fair. I just don't like that. Like, if you get an exceptionally bad roll, nothing happens. You ha- if you don't roll that crit, yeah, nothing happens. Right? Nothing happens. Yeah, because I think a lot of people would pay two to four power for just to put an auto slow on someone. Like that's actually better. Sure. We've, we've learned as the game goes on how powerful slow is. It's nuts, yeah. really. And especially with the rotating going on, with the the communities getting better at the game. 
like slow is just even better. So I don't know. We'll see. But we got to move on, Chris, because Gwynpool also has a card. It's called No Try This One. It's unaffiliated and reactive during the cleanup phase. So it has to be during the cleanup phase. Gwynpool may play this card. So keep in mind, she can't be dazed. Great point. She had to be awake to do this. Choose an unused team tactic card from your roster that meets the squad affiliation requirements of your squad. Add the chosen card to your available team tactic cards. It may be played this game. I think this is very cool. I don't know if this is an auto include, but this is definitely going to get better as the game goes on. This is a tutor card. Like this is one of those things where it's like, oh, bottom of round one, I saw that Chris was playing X characters that I didn't necessarily think he was going to play. Well, now I'm going to swap in whatever card I need, you know? And, you know, there's no, it's a one for one. There's no loss with this card. The only loss of this card is it has to be played in a cleanup. But round one, we all move around the map, sit on points and stuff. You're going to do this anyways, right? I think this is really cool for going up against folks that like to run maybe three leaderships in their 10 models. Oh yeah. yeah. This is, this is, you know, this is becoming more and more popular. Just what Avengers am I fighting? Yeah. stuff. Exactly. And even me, I'm running X force or I'm running weapon X, right? So this is a really nice way to be able to kind of just have a little bit more flexibility. If you've got her in the squad, you just, throw this card out there and then you get to make your choice based on an incredible amount of information that you just do not have during turn zero when you're roster building. So this yeah. is, this is pretty useful. This is pretty cool, but at some point, is it training wheels? I don't know. I don't know. And it obviously has the downside of it takes up a spot. It's taking up spot 10, right? To give you more flexibility with the nine. So What's the weight of those things? But I mean, I've had a lot of situations come up recently, Chris, where I would love this card where it's like, Oh, for sure. It's like, I was playing a team that had like one throw or two throws and I'm like, okay, I'm not bringing brace. Right. Right. And then they end up playing both of those characters and I'm like, okay, maybe I do want brace now. Or, or, you know, maybe I I brought recalibration matrix because I thought you were going to play your big model against my big model and you don't play your big model. You go super wide. And I'm like, do I really need recal for Hulk now? Yeah. Hulk's probably not being days this game. He's probably ignoring my Hulk and rotating. So, you know, so it's interesting where it's like, those would be a situation where you could identify that and you could say, well, if he goes that way, I'll just bring Gwen card and you know bring in what i need to bring but it's interesting i i love the design space absolutely but closing out same these three cards we have they say keep your enemies close it's unaffiliated and active it can be played by squirrel girl or gwenpool in any team they're in squirrel girl or gwenpool may pay three power to play this card it's got two kind of things that could potentially happen during the next attack made by the character that played this card if the attack targets an enemy character within range one the target enemy character rolls no defense against your attack. So it's execute from the Black Order cards, if you've seen that card, which is a very powerful card. But the second part is during the next attack made by the character that played this card, if an attack targets an enemy character that is not within one, so further away, after the attack is resolved, place the target character within range one of the character that played this card. So Ooh, buddy. This is like a like a web line sort of thing. It's like, you know, but it's weird while it's done. So this is either I'm close to you, I'm about to do a lot of damage to you because you're not rolling defense dies. And I might just remove you from the table, or this is just probably how you can use it most of the time. Blanket. I just completely reposition a massive model where they didn't want to be. Right. I adore this card, Chris. I think this is certainly maybe an auto include in your ten when you play when you're intending to play one of these ladies often in your teams. Right. I think this card is just like I feel like it's better for Gwen because yeah. she has the range a, four gainer, whereas uh, Squirrel Girl just is a, a range three builder. She does have access to a range four. It's a spender. So it's going to cost you to do it. Whereas 
you're gaining power on Gwen's. So I feel like it's a little better for Gwen based on the idea that we're using it as a teleport, you know, disruption tool instead of an attrition tool. It's really good, uh, like both ways. Yeah, keep in mind too, Chris. I mean, this is where my player Jesse brain goes. This could also be the order you trigger stuff, similar to like Logan, where I've talked about mm. like the order you can trigger his place and stuff. That comes into play with Scroll Girl Strike, where it's like, like since they're both after attackers resolved, it's like, okay, are you putting them in a certain spot and then placing off them? Or are you are you placing off them and then putting them in a certain spot? It's it's all similar within a certain radius, but it's the way you go about it and the way you optimally place yourself for scoring or something, right? So just mm. think about that as well. Great point. I just think it's a great toolbox thing. Cost three, as it should. Either effect is powerful. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you might just use this to blow someone up too. Dude, you can. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially, oh gosh, especially with Squirrel Girl's rerolls uh, while holding the token, the tippy toe token. Consistent. Yeah. But I think the second part is just like how you're mainly going to use it. And that's Absolutely, fine. dude. To have options is... Amazing. I'm never going to discredit options where it's like... And a card that you're going to be able to use no matter what. Yes. Right. That There yes. are so many powerful cards in this game at the moment that your your opponent can just not give you the opportunity to play it. Yep. That's, that's as simple as that. Yeah. This is one of those cards where I think all these cards are great for these characters. All these could be played and enjoyed. But I think this one takes the cake because it is the most consistent with how often it can be played, right? And that's as simple as that, quite honestly. Well, Chris, that's all of our news today. So, you know, it's what been a, a fun it's been a fun what ride. a long episode and a fun episode. Well, and I guess the last bit of news that we will mention while we're here, AMG did reveal the pictures that the same pictures we already saw, but Cosmic yeah. Ghost Rider's coming. And he we sl- he's slated for next though, which is great. Yes, we'll be seeing his card very shortly. I'm Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited. We do know he's going to be a guardian. So, yep, we knew that. Man, guardians are about to get even better. Like they need it, but there it is. It is what it is. The AMG is so funny with how they release things. You know, they and they, they can't re- predict. Yeah, when it's like the release cycle is like oh, two years yeah. out, right? But it's sure. Just and it's just and so I'm not. Funny. I am not complaining at one. Complaining about it at all. No, no. Uh, I am just saying it is kind of funny how seems to go that with these release schedules, the rich tend to get just a little bit richer for a little bit until until we hit, you know, the next wave of moving on into a different, you know, expanding different uh, areas of the game, different areas of the universe. So, yeah, Guardians are going to be really good uh, for another few months. And that's OK. That's OK. They suffered for a long time to be in the space. They did. And, I'm, and I I'm, suffered alongside them. <laughs> I to be clear, I am not complaining at all. The Guardians deserve their day in the sun. You know, the third movie just came out. Absolutely. They're they're newer characters. I'm all about getting newer characters and moving away from just constantly reliving the 60s and 70s in comic books over and over and over again. It's all good things. I'm super hyped about Cosmic Ghost Rider. I think he's one of the cooler things in modern Marvel canon, personally. He doesn't do it for me, really, but that's okay. It's an aesthetic more than his character arc, per se. But But also, his character arc is very weird and cool. Like, it's just very, like fantastical i guess it's just it's like i guess yeah. Cos- as ghost rider should be because it's, it's, it's he's donny cates right yeah and it's yeah that makes sense that's that's kind of what he does is just and like frank castle being fun and whimsy and this this is a this is a cool idea i'm just gonna do it which is kind of what the world needs at the moment so yeah some of it lands some of it doesn't and that's okay yeah i mean risks equal you know growth in a lot of ways so i love it 
Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Find us on several spaces. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. You can always email us at Fury's at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Thank you guys. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music. And like Jesse said, rate, review, subscribe. It all helps. It's all wonderful and I hate that we have to ask for it, but that is the world we live in. The internet is very big, right? So it's like any any way you can spread the word about our game and our podcast um, gets more people to join our community, which is what, ultimately what we want. We want to expand the breadth and the enjoyment of the community. And, uh, you know, sometimes stuff gets buried is what it is. You know, I, MCP is this amazing, massive game right now in our sub community of a sub community. But I think a lot of people are just now hearing about it and they're getting into the game and we're, we're so happy you're here. And I, I hope you found out about the game and maybe the podcast through some really passionate people that spread the joy to you. Of course, you can find Chris and I online in several spaces. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter, Instagram, and Longshanks, most notably Longshanks and Discord, all at the same place, at Jesse Aiken, J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And of course, check out my Star Wars Shatterpoint podcast, Hello There, about everything Shatterpoint, and we're going to get you ready for the game's launch and get you super excited about it. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter, sort of, sometimes can find me on discord what am i on discord i'm strong style on discord and i'm grim porpoise on on the long shanks i should probably consolidate all these things but i whatever. think you're chris breffitt on long shanks am i i don't yeah. remember yeah you are cool <laughs> so it's all good well we hope you guys enjoyed returning to the news it's um these are always beast episodes to do but i'm excited to do them and now we're caught up on news again chris until you know, news drops again and we'll let it build up and we'll dive in with you listening at home. And we hope you have enjoyed this brief reprieve from the end of shield, which is coming very soon. I love news news episodes. They're very fun. Absolutely. But until next time, thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 